The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to westwatwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So you know, leaving this event, exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. All right, Russ, I got a new idea. I'm the one that's supposed to have new ideas. <laughs> this time, I'm the idea guy. Tell me about it. All right. So usually the first thing people say whenever they hear I have five daughters is they say, dude, that's five weddings. Right. I'm like, no crap. Of course it is. But I, I've always said that makes me, I have to be really good at my job in order for me to be able to afford five weddings. Right. Okay. That's usually my, my, I, my go-to. I think about five boyfriends I'm going to have to put in a headlock. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the next question that people come up with. But it is taking on a whole new world with me. Okay. Last weekend, I was driving back from a park with my girls. I see this sign on the side of the road, this beautiful estate property out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's like nowheresville. And it says for sale by owner. And I don't know. I don't do this normally. I just said, you know, I'm just going to give them a call. Looks like a really pretty place. I could just like to learn more about it. And do you know that it has, it used to be a wedding venue. Okay. The lady has passed away. They're, the family just really kind of wants to get rid of it, but it's worth more than the area would really support in terms of a value. Like there, you can't really get a traditional bank appraisal because there's just nothing else like it out there. There's no comparables or anything. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, after a few days of researching this thing, I'm just, I'm putting it out there on the airwaves. I'm about to try to make this a real deal wedding venue again. I'm going to buy it and I'm going to turn it into a wedding venue. Please, for the love, why? <laughs> why would you want to do that? So here's a couple of things I've got problems with on this. All right, hit me. Come on. It, who's going to run this wedding venue? Wedding venues means you have to deal with moms of brides. Yeah, no, I'm not. Have you ever dealt with a mom of a bride? No, I'm not trying to be a wedding planner. Okay, but you got to hire someone who can literally deal with Godzilla. Yeah, Bridezilla or Momzilla, whatever. Yes, I totally. I, and by the way, that I I know my wife is going to be Momzilla when it comes to this thing, <laughs> right? And I'm glad that my mom was Momzilla and her mom was. But the thing is, that is like the most tense moment at this very moment, Tracy. Our executive assistant has taken <laughs> off the whole week so that she can help her daughter who's getting married on Saturday. Yes. And, and she's been stressed out for a month. That is true. So imagine having to deal with that level of stress. You want to deal with that? No, that I will not be doing No, that. but you got to hire someone who basically is a suicide counselor. Well, for, for whatever reason, there are people who have grown up and they love weddings. And they love helping people to create the wedding of their dreams. I, I get that. And there's wedding planners. But then there's the wedding venue 
where the mom and her her uh, devil sidekick <laughs> wedding planner decide to let all of the release all of the frustration that has been pent up out on the venue organizer. Well, okay, I haven't figured out who's going to run it yet, but I assume there are people that do this, and this would be a great place. By the way, it is an outdoor wedding venue. It's a huge uh, pavilion in the backyard. Guess who needs outdoor wedding venues? COVID, okay? In COVID, people need outdoor wedding venues, are and you, there's not enough of are them. Are you planning for COVID forever then? No, but I'm telling you, the game has changed. And there is a demand, and we got to meet it, Russ. So I'm 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 putting the business proposal in front of you. I'm gonna need I, some backing. I'm gonna I, need some of your financial backing. I, I okay? see I see no proposal. I see <laughs> ideas. This is unicorns gone bad. <laughs> but hey, but it's in light of today's episode because when it's not being used as a wedding venue, because you can't do it all day every day, we're gonna do it on a short term rental basis. It's right between Birmingham and Tuscaloosa where people go to watch football. And guess what? There's nothing like it on short on Airbnb or other websites right now. So I think we can fill in the gaps with short-term rentals. You put a bunch of redneck Alabama fans down there <laughs> for a weekend or planning for a weekend. You're never going to be able to rent that place. I think this is a bad idea. I'm going on the record right now. <laughs> But show me the numbers. We'll probably do it. Exactly. All right. Let's let's. But what does it have to do with our guest today? Well, today we're interviewing Kyle Stanley. He is someone who's been doing short-term rental for roughly the last two years. He's actually taken his business of doing it as an operator and started managing units for other people. So he he talked about having an infinite return from that perspective. So if mm. you're looking from a side hustle perspective how to get into the short-term rental business this episode is going to hit you if you're looking to scale one where you have one or two units and you want to go to 10 or 20 we talked a little bit about that but also if you're an investor and you're thinking is there a way for me to get into this very high profitability model that exists but i don't want to be the one hands-on he talks about how that he's doing this now in his specific area he's not he's not really saying hey i call me to do this but he does show and talk a little bit about how he's doing this for other investors in his area, which I think is really cool. And I, I'm looking forward to this interview and not you buying this dumb wedding venue. Let's jump into our interview <laughs> with Kyle Stanley. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Muray. Are you looking for ways to implement ideas, get exposure to new ones, and be surrounded by people on the same journey as you? Joey, where can they go to do that? Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash community. You can join for free today. Welcome into the show. Today we have Kyle Stanley joining us. Kyle, so glad to have you, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, excited to, to finally do this. 
Yeah, we've been talking for a while. Thank you for kind of giving us tips uh, on how to be a better business owner when it comes to running short-term rental business. And I'm excited to kind of go through my own personal questions. Shocking, Joey, that <laughs> I, I've got a bunch of like personal selfish questions, but hopefully through this time, as you're listening to Kyle's responses, you'll understand why we wanted to have him on. But before we get to that part, I do want to kind of let the audience kind of have a peer into who Kyle is. And I, I know we were talking right before we press record as entrepreneurs, sometimes there's a moment in our life that kind of gives us clarity that makes us stop and evaluate what we're doing. And sometimes that's what sets us on the trage trajectory or path that we're on. And you were mentioning that you had kind of a family issue that, that popped up in 2018 that kind of led you to where you are. Do you mind sharing just a little bit of that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, just so everyone knows from like 2000. 10 to 2018, I was, if you have read the E-Myth, I was really just a technician. I wasn't really an entrepreneur. I still, if you read that book, I'm still not truly an entrepreneur, but I'm, I've developed more into the manager role. And, and I think um, it really took, uh, my, my dad got sick in 2015 with bone cancer and then 2018 rolls around and, and now he's in hospice. And, you know, I, I was doing a lot of different things leading up to this, but I, at this point in my life, um, was a part of a, a multi-level marketing company and was really bought into, you know, that as, you know, my, my thing. But then when my dad got diagnosed, um, well, not diagnosed, but when he really started getting into really bad health, I, I moved in with my, my parents to help him and to help my mom. And it was during that time where it was like, okay, I have to, I'm, I'm being forced to put work aside to be with family. And when you're just sitting there in your own thoughts, you really start reflecting on, you know, like, what, what am I doing right now? Um, and, and I kind of looked back and I was like, gosh, you know, it's taken me four years to build up this thing that's supposed to bring me financial freedom. And I don't feel that way. I don't even feel like I have time freedom per se. Mm. What, what is there that is out there that truly is something that could be passive or almost passive. And, um, so I just started right around there, September, 2018, listening to tons of podcasts, um, unfortunately one of them was the Cardone zone. <laughs> so <laughs> I say unfortunately, cause I, I've got a different mindset of Grant Cardone these days, but, yeah. but for me, you know, like bigger pockets and, and just reading books and, and just getting into this whole thing. It was like, all right, I know real estate has to be the thing. It just fits so many of my strengths with numbers and networking. And, um, I, I was very confident that I would have the ability to raise money if I needed to. And so I just was trying to find that, that moment where I could, decide what was the path. And, and finally it came in January, 2019, about four months after just studying and, um, came in the form of a seminar where I went to one and, and it was like, all right, this is, this is it. It's going to be flipping. And so, um, that was kind of the, the start and then it's completely evolved from there. Well, here's the thing, Joey, we talk about the four steps, right? First steps got to have clarity. You hear Kyle talk about having clarity, having time, right? I mean, having time to self-evaluate is really important. But then the second step is when he started making um, investments, he made investments in the area of control. That's right. And I also heard investing in himself, Yeah. Mm -hmm. right? Taking, taking those steps to say, I'm, I'm going to take some, sometimes it's just the free things like podcasts that you're investing time. It's, it's totally not free, obviously. Don't, don't right. hear me wrong. But then even then you took it into a seminar and you said, okay, I'm going to buy into this new process and, and start flipping. 
so Kyle, you're you're starting to do flipping, but you didn't stay doing that as the full time thing. You you kind of transit transitioned into the short term rental space. Talk a little bit about you know your flipping experience and why that led you into the short term rental business. Yeah, well, first of all, I. I said yes to real estate January 6, 2019. And I remember the date very specifically because it was one day before I was starting a full-time job as a new sales rep for, <laughs> for a, a local uh, fundraising company. And I was just like, wow, I'm not supposed to have another way of making money, uh, but I guess I'm doing this because I was just that convicted. But then a week later, uh, my dad actually had, had officially passed. And, and so it was one of those things where it was like, you know, it, it could have hit a screeching halt right away, but I was just, I was just so convicted. I was for the first time in my life. I was like, this, this is it. So I got my first deal under contract middle of February, flipped my first house. It wasn't a big flip, but it was enough to be able to get my feet wet, get the experience, show people I was serious. And then my next flip was one that I was like, you know what, maybe I want to hold this as a rental. And then I was like, wait, maybe I want to do this as an Airbnb. And, and right around that time, I was also arbitraging my first unit because I was just like, oh my gosh, I'd never, I'd been doing Airbnb as a house hacking method since 2015. It was one of those things that it was introduced to me that way. A friend of mine told me about it. He said he was renting out a room in his apartment in Las Vegas and made 7k in his first five months. I was like, okay, let me do that. And, and that was all I ever saw with it. But then I heard this podcast in 2019 about like, Hey, you know, you can arbitrage these units. You can sublease from a landlord onto Airbnb and hold on to the profits. And I was like, that's, that's genius. I have to do that. And so I was arbitraging and then I got this, this deal under contract that I was going to burr and hold on to as a, as a, a, a rental and an, an Airbnb possibly. And it was like, wow, this, this could actually really be a business. And so Basically, from May 2019 until now up today, uh, we went from basically my best month in Airbnb being about $1,000. And uh, just last month, we, we netted over $22,000. And it was just, honestly, guys, again, like when I see success in something, I just go all in. Um, so I just needed to see a little bit of like, okay, arbitrage works. And okay, like if I actually do this, which by the way, Fresno, California is where I do it, which is just mind blowing to me why people want to come here. And people ask me that all the time. Like, why do people want to go here? Uh, it's just, it's just mind blowing to see it, but I saw success and I just went all in. All right. So let's, let's break down a couple of the things that he said there. One arbitrage, Joey, what is that? Well, I mean, he, he explained it. So do you need me to explain it for you? Yes. Like, okay. Okay. Basically uh, it is, when you are renting a property, an apartment or a condo or, or home, whatever it may be, from an existing owner and a landlord, and then you turn around and he used the word sublease, where you're essentially being able to lease it on short-term basis through sites like Airbnb, VRBO, and so, such like that. And there's a difference in the monthly rental that you're paying that landlord and the nightly rentals that you're getting on Airbnb, that's that arbitrage. The difference between those two is you get to keep that as a profit. Kyle also said burr. And, and not like here it's in Alabama, cold today, it's cold man. today, but I, he said burr. I just figured that's what he was talking about. Yeah. No, not so much. That I'm not going to really know what all those R's are, Kyle. So you're going to have to just break those down for me. But buy, rehab, yeah. rehab, um, and rent, or is it? 
rent and yep. refinance. Buy, buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. Yeah. Ah, okay. There's an yeah. extra R. I didn't even know about but, that one. Well, and I know that that's so common for the average real estate investor, but also we have people that are listening to this show for the first time. And even maybe the term Airbnb is unique, right? The the fact that there's a website that you can put a house, your own house that you lived in, like you said, you talked about house hacking, where you put mm -hmm. your own a room from your own house that you're living in on this site where people can come rent. Or as you just went through and talked about the arbitrage method where you're renting someone else's house and then putting it on uh, as the site to be rented. I, I hate to stop there, but they're just so that my mom's not uh, left behind. I just want to bring everybody up to speed. hundred <laughs> percent. So, uh, and by the way, he also mentioned Fresno is not a place. It's not a destination per se that people right. are like just beating down the doors to get to the same goes is true for us. Russ. I think you and I are constantly shocked that people would want to come to Birmingham. Well, let, let's go through that. So when, when I'm talking to someone about setting up a short-term rental business and putting it on Airbnb, they immediately, you 99% of the time, their brains go to the beach, the coast, right? right? The, you know, West yep. coast, East coast, uh, South beach, whatever it may be. And they're like, why would they want to come to Birmingham, Alabama, Fresno, California, right? Those aren't the destination cities, but yep. that's where your business is. That's where our business is. Why, do most people rent a unit from you? What are the travelers telling you? What are they coming to Fresno for? Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, pretty much the same three things. It's either going to be family reasons, it's going to be business reasons, either uh, employees are being sent there and the company is going to book it, or you know you got a traveling salesperson or a business owner who's got to come into town for work. And then the last, like maybe you know, ten to fifteen percent of the people are going to be traveling in between LA and San Francisco, the national parks, the beach, and they want to use Fresno as that like cheaper kind of middle grounds for everything. And, and I think it's, it's really for the first two reasons, family and business, why, you know, during even COVID, we didn't see much of a drop off. And, you know, that it's one of those markets where people have to come to, they don't necessarily want to come to. Right. <laughs> and, and so uh, for that reason, we, we, we stay really consistent. I like consistency. I like knowing what I'm going to make just about every month and only having a, maybe a 10% uh, fluctuation. Whereas, you know, somewhere like a, a Newport beach, I've got, I always sit, talk about Newport beach because I got a friend of mine who has 35 ish uh, arbitrage units over there. You know, their high month is they're making almost, you know, $800,000 grossing in one month. And then their worst month is like $200,000. That's a huge discrepancy. Ooh. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you got to, you got to really know when to save. You got to know like all of the ups and downs and the roller coaster. And that's a little bit more stressful versus, Hey, I know exactly what I'm going to make on a monthly basis in, in Fresno because it's consistent. Well, so you run a, um, a course or short-term rental course where you teach people how to go through these steps and you've even been doing a mastermind and kind of group coaching on the back of it and that's something that joey and i just recently started as well so i, I want to kind of talk through the situation where someone is thinking about this as a side hustle maybe it's a person with cash who is thinking about how could i get involved in this and maybe you know have a niece or a nephew or or someone that i know run it or maybe is there even another option? And I want to get to that one too about maybe is it a way where I can like put the money up and someone else can kind of handle all the functionality to it. 
So let's kind of talk from the very beginning. Maybe I want to do this as a side hustle. How do you teach people? What is the process that they should go through in order to determine how to get their first unit? Uh, do, you, do you have a couple hours? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I'm trying to think of how to really simplify that, but I, I think at the end of the day, you've got to either have, first of all, you've got to have the strong desire to make this work because I'll give you an example. I have one student who literally after one week and one meeting with one landlord got his first deal under contract and he lives in Houston and he's already up and running after like literally just having my course and my coaching for one week. Then you have other guys like um, I had a couple guys that came in as partners and it took them two and a half months to get their first one. And so whether it's going to take you a week or 90 days to get your first one under contract, you have to have that strong desire. And I almost say like that disgust of where your, your life is at to where you want to, to make a difference. And, and so it's first there, then you have to really understand what does the deal look like? If, if I find a place at this location at this price with this many bathrooms and this many bedrooms, now I know it's a deal. And you need to identify that before you start and just go contacting landlords because you might get a place that's in a bad area, is overpriced, and is not going to rent out. And you don't know, but you're just so excited that a landlord said yes. So identifying that deal, I think the best way you could do that is just going to my website. I have an Airbnb profit calculator, fearlesskyle.com. If you just go there, you can download that profit calculator. On that same website, there's also a page uh, under our Airbnb tab called how to become a host. And I give a lot of different steps there about how to become a host, just some ins and outs of Airbnb uh, for some beginners. I think that's a great resource too. But you know, after identifying the location and, and what a deal looks like, now you have to figure out how am I going to talk to this landlord? And that's always the thing that people, especially the skeptical people come to me and say, I don't think that it's even possible to convince a landlord because this just seems too risky. And at the end of the day, it's really not. You're a landlord's best option. Yeah. Well, explain that. You said that um, someone who's going to uh, put the unit on Airbnb is a landlord's best option. Let's talk to why that is. Yeah, I mean, here let's talk about what a landlord goes through. First of all, you know, they get calls from their tenants saying, "Hey, um, there's a leaky toilet. Can you send out a guy?" They're getting these texts at 11 p.m. at night. Hey, like I just got one from one of my long-term tenants last night, and this is why I'd rather deal with Airbnb because. I don't like dealing with these long-term tenant issues. Hey, the water heater went out. Can you send someone out right away? And so you're, you're dealing with all these things as a landlord. You also don't see the place for 12 months. And you're just assuming that that security deposit is going to cover whatever damages are in the place, whether it's holes in the wall or uh, missing blinds suddenly are off the, <laughs> the windows, you know, stuff like that where you just don't even know until 12 months later. Now, rent to someone like me and what happens? Well, you're not going to get calls about a water heater not working. I'm going to have my handyman go out there and check it myself. You're never even going to hear about that situation. You're not going to get that surprise after 12 months because I have cleaners going in there almost as many as five times a week if we have a lot of turnovers. So if there is a hole in the wall, if there is blinds missing, if there is a towel rack that's off the wall, um, if there's a door that's been damaged, the cleaner is relaying that information to me and we're having our people go and fix it right away and take care of it. If someone gets hurt, if someone 
steals something, if someone damages the property, I'm covered by the Airbnb host guarantee. You're covered by your insurance. I'm also covered by my renter's insurance. We're insured in three different ways versus just a renter's insurance and your homeowner's policy. So along, along with all of that, I just tell them, hey, listen, this is going to be a long-term relationship. I don't even make my money back until right around like the half to three quarters of a year mark. So it would be silly for me to come in and only do this for 12 months with you. How would you like to have a tenant that's paying on time, never bothering you and with you for year after year after year? Would that be a good situation for you? Um, and, mm. and at the end of the day, like if they really can trust me and can trust the situation and see the fact that I've done this with a lot of different places as well, then they're going to go with me. However, when you're first starting out, you've really got to fight hard to get that first yes. And after you get that first yes, just like anything, right? You build up this resume, you build up this confidence, and now you can go out and do it again and again. Yeah, I'll speak to the point you just made about the long-term relationship. We just recently, Russ and I and our operators had lunch with a guy that has 1,900 units downtown. <laughs> and uh, I mean, basically, let's just put it this way. We're trying to go downtown to get a new location. And our operator's like, look, we got to know this guy. His, his sign is everywhere. And yep. I'm like, oh, well, let's just take him to lunch, you know? And we, we immediately struck up a relationship with them. One, we could speak to the ones that we've already had success with. But then two, we said, look, we want a three-year lease. Mm, and you, nice. his eyeballs got really big, like, okay, that's, I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, because to your point, like, we don't want a 12-month lease. We, we can't even hardly make any money if mm -hmm. we do that. So, yeah, it, it's a really good benefit to have those long-term relationships. Cool. Absolutely. And I just to add one other thing there, I think when you develop these relationships too, then those landlords start to come to you and say, hey, how much money are you guys making? Like, tell me, tell me the back-end numbers. And at that point, now they're like, well, what if I go and furnish one of my 1,900 units and you guys just manage it for me? And now suddenly you don't have any money in the deal and you have an infinite return on your money. That's why we were able to grow so fast. The first 10 of mine were owned and arbitraged. And then the last 13 to 14 have been people coming to me being like, hey, we'll take care of all the financial stuff. You just manage it for me. Well, and that is exactly what, the, it, you know, in that lunch conversation, he, would, he had already tried to do uh, some short-term rental and, and knew the numbers, but he was like, it was just so opposite my model, what we were doing. Mm. It was, it was more trouble than what we needed. So we put it off to the side, but he goes, how much are you guys bringing in? And we started talking about that and that definitely started sparking interest. And, and we know that that's probably the next step with them is to yep. say, okay, how many of these 1900 units would you like to maybe put a couple in and let our systems work for you? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny, you know, you, uh, when you start doing something and we were talking about this before we got on the podcast, but it's that abundance mindset, you know, in the beginning I was very much like, Oh my gosh, I found this hidden treasure. <laughs> I'm not going to tell anyone. Uh, maybe I'll tell like a few of my mentors who have really helped me cause I want to help them. But I just, I, and especially as, uh, you know, running my own podcast. So I was like, I'm only going to talk about flipping. I'm not going to tell people about this Airbnb thing. But then I just kept getting around people that are like abundance mindset, just trust it, tell people about what you're doing. And, and it, when I finally trusted it, suddenly it was like, okay, now all these opportunities are coming up. I have the opportunity to coach other people 
and create a, a course and an education system. And then suddenly after COVID settled down and all these landlords were like, hey, I've got turnover. I heard about this guy named Kyle Stanley here in Fresno. Maybe I ought to give him a call. And it was just all these opportunities came up because I started talking about it and, and building relationships, just like what you said. And, and that's what's really exciting about this business. It's super scalable if you have that abundance mindset. Well, well and we, we jumped into how you got started with the first one and then even how you would help encourage other people to get started with that first like side hustle. Now, can you kind of take us a little bit deeper into that now? What kind of things would you tell somebody that wants to scale from that one or two units up to 10, 15? And they still want to do it themselves. Let's just yeah. think about that from that perspective. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of people um, that I know in the business that are, you know, they're married to their phone because they are, they are the operator. You know, going back to the e-myth, you're either a technician, a manager, or an entrepreneur. There's a lot of technicians in Airbnb. If you truly want the financial and time freedom, um, you have to be willing and you have to uh, be active in finding people that will do things for you. The obvious one, cleaners. You know, you're not going to go clean the units yourself. Maybe the first one you do it just because you want to see what it's like and how long you should expect your cleaners to take. But, you know, you're going to get calls from people being like, hey, internet's out. You don't want to go and have to go to the place and try to figure out that situation. You want to send someone to go do that so that you can be uh, monitoring that situation from afar on the beach or with your family. You So boots on the ground, I think, is the main thing. You also want to be able to have an interior designer so that you're not going and having to buy the furniture, buy the amenities, set up everything. You want to have channel managers, virtual assistants, and, and, you know, obviously good contractors and subcontractors that if there is any issues, you know that you're getting great prices for people to go out there and, and check on minor things. Even, even as minor as just like changing light bulbs, you know, you don't want to have to get charged $50 every time someone has to go to a property. You want to be able to find the best people that are going to do it at the best prices. And so it, that, that's also why, you know, I, I've told you guys to, unless I've got someone with a portfolio of 20 or more Airbnbs that they just want to like hand them over to me. I'm just really not going to go manage in another market uh, because I, I think it's really tough to develop those relationships from afar. So to me, like if you can start in your own backyard or at least semi in your own backyard, or if you have a partner that does have a better market for their backyard that you can work with, and you can be some more of the behind the scenes and they're more boots on the ground, then I think that's the best way to be able to do it because you're building relationships with people that are going to literally make or break if you're profitable or not. All right, I got two questions here, Joe. You have to be, be quiet for a second. All right, <laughs> you, you, you said channel manager. I don't understand what that is. Explain what a channel manager is. Yeah, so that can be someone that's either in-house or out outhouse, <laughs> outsourced. <laughs> um, so channel managers um, can be people that are literally communicating and managing your calendars from afar. So like there's, there's some other ones out there called like, uh, I believe Logify. I, and I'm not too keen on these because I don't, I don't actually use one myself. I do it in-house, but there's, uh, I heard of one recently, Zevo, uh, Logify, uh, guesty, some some things like that that are literally helping to manage your calendars, price everything, they're communicating with your guests, or you can be like like me and teach other people in your business how to do it and create basically virtual assistants that can communicate with guests and 
manage the calendars, manage the pricings from the comfort of their own home. Gotcha. All right. And then you kind of started talking about backyards and what maybe, maybe your backyard is not a good one. Maybe another one would be help us understand how you define or determine what is a good market. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's honestly just all in the numbers. Um, And so what I would suggest is if you just go to AirDNA, which is basically the MLS of Airbnb, um, I've got a link as well that will just easily take you there. It's bit.ly forward slash AirDNA link. Bit.ly forward slash AirDNA link. Literally takes you to a free version of viewing all the properties in a certain market. Then if you say, hey, this market, my market looks good. Now I really want to dive into the numbers. Then you can get a membership. I usually suggest just get a membership for like a month and then cancel it after that because you really only need it for like a month to gather all that data. But for me, like I'm, I'm a numbers person. I think if you are not a numbers person, you ought to bring someone into your business that is a numbers person or you need to develop that skill because if, and, and again, that's why I have that profit calculator too. It makes the numbers person who's not so good at numbers be able to be a little bit better at it with this business because if you don't know what a deal looks like, if you don't know what a good market looks like, then that just means you're not looking at the numbers. And so to me, if I'm not breaking even right around like day, call it 15 to 18, then that's a risky market to me. If it's taking me 25 days to break even, then you know anything happens, it's, that's going to be scary any slow season, any pandemic, if we shut down again for, for COVID, any sort of issues within the city, that's an issue. And, and that's a major thing to look at too. call the city up. Do you allow short-term rentals under 30 days? If some of them have a lot of regulations and you need to know about that. So there's a number of different things, but I think at the end of the day, just knowing how to evaluate it through AirDNA um, and knowing the numbers. That's really cool. That's really tactical for folks to take those steps. So I'm curious, and I don't know if you have other questions, Russ, but I'm curious to take the next step and go into that third layer of somebody that has money, but they don't necessarily have the time. They know this is a profitable venture, but they want to figure out a way to scale this uh, without being actively involved in it day in, day out. And, you know, Russ and I's model, we hired an operator who, who did all this, but you've been actually managing properties for others. Talk about like what that could look like from just an investor standpoint, somebody who's just putting up the money and allowing someone else to manage it from afar. Yeah. Again, you know, going back to to numbers again, you got to know your numbers. If, if you're, let's say, let's just take conventional purchases. If, if you're going out and buying a $250,000 property at 20% down and you're going to cash flow $200 a month, uh, it's, it's going to take you a while to get that, you know, at 20% down, you're $50,000 in. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to take you a while to get that $50,000 back, right? Right. Well, with Airbnb, let's call it instead of $50,000 in, you're, you're $70,000 in because you got to furnish it. You got to make a few uh, minor upgrades to make it more Airbnb appealing. But now you outsource that to a, a manager. Sure, you're going to lose a little bit of the profits, but instead of cash flowing $200 a month, now you're cash flowing $600, $800, maybe even $1,000 a month. You're going to get that $70,000 back a lot faster than you're going to get that 
$50,000 back with a conventional long-term tenant. But, but I would say if you are going to do that, then you need to go with someone who's very knowledgeable and has those relationships or has the ability to build those relationships within uh, the market that you're going to be going. So, so are you saying that you would get a management company specific for short-term rentals and are, do those exist or is this something that you, you know, we know that you do it personally in Fresno, but I mean, are there others that are national? There, there are, again, that, that's a thing that you just really got to do some research. There's a lot of them that say, Hey, I can do it nationally, but then in the fine print, they're saying, Oh, by the way, you got to find the the interior designer, you got to find the handyman, you got to find the boots on the ground. And it's like, well, what are you even doing then? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> just managing the website. <laughs> they're basically just a channel manager is what they are. So, so again, it, it becomes one of those things that I think if you really want to like do it the right way, it's going to take a little bit more extra work on the front end. But to me, the best way to, to maximize this business is to spend a little bit of time understanding how to manage these. And then you outsource that as quickly as possible. Maybe you even bring in a a business partner that is going to do that, or you bring in an employee right away. That's going to do that. And you might have to put a little bit more time in the first few months, but then you're able to outsource that after three or four months and you're, you're able to keep it in-house that that's a much easier way to me. Well, not easier, but it's, it's a much more profitable way. And, and it's built on trust rather than something that's just a service. And that service can be, you know, canceled at any time. Um, But if you don't want to do that, then yes, you're just going to have to find out by Googling some of these other ones or by literally going into your city and, and talking to people, going to meetups, you know, anyone that runs Airbnbs, you know, anyone that's managing Airbnbs. Um, those are the ways that I would definitely try to find some local people. That's a good tip for sure. Well, and I really, I, we could keep going on. We probably need to have a, like a, a comeback and uh, talk about even deeper subjects on this. Cause this can, there, there's so much to it, right? I mean, you created a course that has like 10 hours worth of content and then most, most of the people then stay around in your Facebook group for how many months? What's the average retention rate of a, a, a student of yours? Yeah. I mean, most, most students feel like they have a really good um, hang of, of everything after about six to eight weeks, but there's so much to learn in this business. Right. And, and honestly, like this is one of those businesses that's just so easy to say like, all right, this, this is a no brainer. I'm going to invest in this because if I just go from an 80% occupancy rate to an 85% occupancy rate and call it 10 units, I've just, ma- I've just created a way to maybe make an extra $5,000 per month with maybe one little, one little tweak, one little thing. And that's why we do education, right? It's not, you don't pay, call it, you know, $5,000 for a course or for a mentor to give you every single golden nugget. It's just that like one little golden nugget that like just barely tweaks your mindset a little bit that makes a huge difference. Um, and so to me, if, if I've got students that are staying in, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for that one little piece of information week by week, you know, through all the situations that they're going through, they're posting in the Facebook group, they're seeing our live Q and A's. And it's that one thing that they're like, oh my gosh, light bulb moment. And now they're making more money or now they've got more time because they've outsourced more things. And 
And so that, that's what continued education is to me. But to answer your question, I would say most of the students are staying in because they are looking for that golden nugget. Well, really quickly. So we started off your, your um, talk with a moment where life was a little bit crazy and out of control. And you, and you had this time where you, you came to clarity and said, Hey, what does that look like? Because four years into running your own business, being kind of in the MLM space, you said, really, you, you were, you didn't have a lot of that time. I let us, let us see and peer behind the curtain. What is the life? What was Kyle's day look like today? Yeah, it looks like freedom of choice. Um, I, every morning I, I wake up and I, I say what I'm thankful for and the blessings in my life. And one of the things I'm always now saying these days over the last year is just, you know, thank you for the freedom of choice. And, and that, that's something that um, is really exciting. Um, and, and it gives me a lot of... Um, a lot of battles too in my mind as an entrepreneur, you know, we're like, Oh, we need to be doing things, you know? Uh, but I also get that, that chance to be like, okay, what, what do I really want to be doing though? What do I want to accomplish? And, um, I was just talking to a friend about this the other day who also runs an Airbnb business and, and the ability to be able to really develop people in your own organization and give them ideally their, their dream job is pretty cool. Um, that's something that I, my best friend over in Arizona, I'm expanding over to Arizona with him because he's tired of his job and he wants to do what I'm doing. And so to me, that's like, that's a fun passion project where I get to develop my, one of my best friends into a business owner as well, and hopefully bring him financial freedom to spend more time with his family. So, but day to day um, is really just waking up and making sure my team is good to go. As soon as I do that, I'm, I'm creating content. I'm doing my podcast and YouTube channel. I'm trying to find ways to be able to add more units. I'm networking with people, trying to add more value. And then just for me, what I love to do, I love golfing. I love baseball. I love volunteering at our local um, dog shelter, traveling. So it's, 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 uh, it's definitely a much, like I said, more freedom of choice today than it was back in 2018 or even 2019. Well, Kyle, that's, that is inspiring for many, many, many of us who are listening right now that we can, we can put ourselves in the position of where you were and to know that there's a path ahead. And, and really, we started out this, you started with clarity, you took control, you created a path or you charted your course, that's what we call it, uh, in, into the short-term rental space. And now you're seeing that freedom on the other side. So you've really brought us full circle and uh, man, I'm just grateful for your friendship and for this opportunity to connect again um, uh, after being on your show previously. So man, thank you for being willing to come on and, and share these nuggets with us today. And yeah, last, of course. As, yeah, as we get ready to wrap up. So if people uh, tell us again how someone can get connected with you if they wanna take your short-term rental uh, course, uh, all of that stuff, where would you point them to? Yeah, I think just the best place to go is fearlesskyle.com forward slash Airbnb host. My website is just fearlesskyle.com. You can navigate your way to that, that page as well. But to me, that page right there is going to get you the most information on getting started in Airbnb. And then from there, you can register for the course. Again, what the course comes with is just all the modules of being able to help you master, automate, and then scale this business from either an ownership from an arbitrage or from a managing standpoint. And we're really focusing on arbitrage because that is the easiest and the most low risk way of getting in and then being able to evolve into a manager is really building up that resume. 
Um, and then you get to be a part of the Facebook group like you talked about. The first two months you're in there for, that's part of the course. And then after that, it's just $97 a month for continued education. You can cancel that at any time. I, I just love updating everything we're doing. I love bringing value to, to my students. I love my students coming on and actually doing live Q and A's with us and talking about, you know, Hey, I just got my first deal under contract and we're talking about how they got there. And, and so I, I think at the end of the day, like being a part of a community, like what you guys do, I think when you're a part of a community, when you see other people doing it, when you're, when you're getting lifted up and inspired by other people, it's that accountability that really helps you to be able to, to be successful. And so that's what we're trying to create. Totally. Well, thank you so much for bringing so much value to our community. And as always, thank you for listening to our show. And hopefully uh, we'll uh, see you on the next episode. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.